Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Cat Show. We have been all over the place at a number of different industry conferences, and it's great to be back um, home doing the show live again. So we have a fantastic guest, someone who I've known for a couple of years, and we just, I don't even remember how we met, but um, it was instant love at first sight. So I would like to introduce <laughs> Mr. Eric Huberman, who is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right, everyone calm down. Calm down, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the studio audience uh, lo- loves a smart guest. Um, so um, Hawk Media is basically a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, and we're going to get into explaining that because it's a, a fascinating model and um, really the first of its kind in many ways. So, Eric, tell us how your journey all began. Give us some background. And then just also to, to let our audience know, Eric has also been featured as um, one of the Forbes 30 Under 30 and also Inc. Magazine's Top 25 Marketing Influencers. So um, doing a lot at a very early age, which I kind of hate about you. Um, but um, tell, us about you, tell us about your background. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can start, I can go kind of from the top. I mean, I was eight years old. I really wanted an electric guitar because I wanted to turn into a rock. I wanted to be a rock star. And I told my dad I wanted a guitar and he said, good, go get a job. Uh, and so I started buying and selling Beanie Babies when they were in the hype of the market and uh, ended up actually making a few thousand dollars as an eight-year-old. And sure enough, went and bought my guitar and bought a BMX and uh, saved some money for uh, a car. And so through that experience, started to learn that I really like the idea of this whole business thing. So it kind of goes back <laughs> there. But fast forward, you know, went through high school, went through college, uh, started in real estate in 2008, one week exactly before Lehman Brothers collapsed. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so literally was in real, a real estate agent at the worst time in the market, commercial real estate agent. So I uh, started working on a side business in music and ended up launching a music e-commerce site, like an artist development company. And then from there, consecutively launched two uh, online fashion companies, sold both, and then started Hawk Media about three and a half years ago, just over, uh, with the idea of I was sick of kind of the marketing ecosystem, because when companies needed to build themselves and grow, uh, the two options were hire an in-house team or hire an agency. What I found was hiring an in-house team wasn't cost-effective. That's if you could find the talent. On the agency side, 90% of them seemed to have no idea what they were talking about. The few that were good were either really expensive, want long contracts, have some barrier they put up. So, yeah, got sick of it. Hired a small team that was like a SWAT team, each with different expertise in marketing, and went back to these companies, said everything's a la carte, month to month, cheaper than hiring in-house. Now you can hire specific expertise. You need to fill the holes in your organization. So that's how we started. And three and a half year, years later, we've grown from seven to over 100 people. Wow, that, that's amazing. I mean, I think for me, um, when, when we first met and the way that Eric and I met was we did a sort of interview gig um, at for Verizon Digital Media Services at an event and we were interviewing and I was like so impressed with how many people you knew in the e-commerce pa- space, like really senior people. And then just this idea of being an a la carte chief marketing officer because I have so many colleagues who 
have small businesses and to your point, can't really afford a big agency, but still need that expertise. And especially now when the large agency model is just imploding on itself. And it seems that Uh these little boutique agencies or even the small tech companies or folks like yourself are really winning because you're actually addressing the modern ecosystem, which is that I don't need one agency for everything. And I want to go to someone to take care of the thing I need. And then if that grows, great. You know, um, and so your model is basically an a la carte suite of different services, email, right? And you manage newsletter yep. campaigns and all sort anything in the sort of media spectrum, basically. Yeah, I'd say the digital marketing growth spectrum from web design, email, Facebook advertising, search, influencer, affiliate, content, kind of run the gamut. And are you the only company kind of doing this? I mean, maybe there'll be in individual freelancers who do stuff like this, but are you the only sort of operationalized entity doing this? I, ha- I have yet to run into a company doing it the same way, pitching it the same way. Um, we've, you know, th- at this point, there's a couple people we've let go of that have tried to start the exact same thing, but haven't really succeeded. But uh, in terms of like coming out of nowhere, no, we haven't seen anyone actually build the same model. And the the, um, the concept now, when you go to someone, what's your like top pitch when someone contacts you? My top pitch? Yeah, your elevator pitch, like when you describe what you do. Yeah, it's an outsourced CMO and marketing team to companies. So a la carte marketing services on a month-to-month basis, so no long-term agreements. And, and do they immediately go, I want that? Yeah, it happens quite often. <laughs> the nice thing about this is it comes from, I've been on the other side you know, a lot more than I've done this. So it comes from, I know that this was a need because I wanted it. So I know how I want, would want to hear it. I know that I'd want to hire hard media if I had a brand. So it was built because I've been on the other side. Right, right, right. Um, and I think also what's interesting too is, um, and you, you can probably speak to some of these trends, uh, but um, do you find that someone that companies now are coming to you for one specific thing? Like, is there one marketing service right now that seems to be the most requested? No, actually, it's pretty wide in terms of marketing doesn't work in a vacuum. It's not like you do one thing. Like, you don't just do Facebook advertising to drive growth. You need to do email marketing. You need to have, you know, a good website. You need to have all these other pieces for it to work. So it, and a lot of times, even though someone may come to us for one specific thing, we're still going to coach them through making sure everything else is covered so we get the best return on the thing they're asking for. And, and have the clients changed over time, like the kind of clients that you're getting? Um, you know, we're, I think just because of age and stature, we do get a lot of bigger clients now. Um, meaning, like, you know, we have a lot of the Fortune 100s and things like that that are coming into us because we've built a brand name for ourselves. And it takes time to get into those businesses. Uh, Startups have always been open to working with us because they kind of, they're more about face value than necessarily the credibility. And so we still work with many startups. We just also have these bigger businesses a lot more often now. And then um, tell us a little bit too about the Forbes 30 under 30 because that's a big deal. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, you get press on that for a long time. So what was that all about? How does that work with Forbes 30 under 30? Yeah, so, I mean, they basically you get nominated by someone and then they do their research on you and then they put you into a finalist kind of category and then you have to do a bunch of stuff and then they put you in front of three judges 
And if those judges pick you, you become Forbes 30 under 30. So in my case, I thought I had missed it. I thought I was 29. I got it last year. I was 29 years old. Didn't think I got nominated. And all of a sudden, I got an email saying, finalist, and we need all this information from you, and we need an essay, and we need to run you by our judges. And I came out of my office and went, you know, hey, I just found out I'm a finalist for this. No idea how that happened. And one of my employees raised his hand and said, I nominated you, actually. Um, oh, wow. So then, your own employee and, nominated you. Yeah. And then a week later gave notice because he got another job. Still on good terms. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, uh, anyway, so, yeah, we ended up, so what the, the kind of secret there was three judges, which they don't announce until you actually announce whether you got it or not. So I didn't know this ahead of time. But once I saw the three judges when I got it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. All three were clients of ours or potential clients we've been talking to. So in a no sea way. of people that are all impressive young people, I was probably one of the few that stood out to them because it's not like they know all these people. So I definitely, you know, there was a stroke of luck in a way. I've been told it's not luck because there's a reason. Like I know, as you mentioned, I do have a good network. But at the same time, like the fact that three of the people I was currently working with were judges doesn't hurt. Right, and it, and there's sort of something uh, kind of um, you know spiritual about that in a way too that yeah. um, that your world, your professional world, was sort of circling um, around itself. Um, and we're yeah. going to take a break in a moment, but when we come back, I want to dig a little bit into some of the trends that you're seeing in the marketplace. You know, based on the work that you're you're doing with clients, and um, you know what kinds of requests are coming in. Um, because, you know, I have found over the years that the way uh, clients engage has changed a lot and who on the client team that you're dealing with is changing a lot. Um, you know, so you have you have a lot more senior people, it seems to me, and I don't know if this is your case, that are engaging, that are actually calling you. Um, well, yeah, you know, Coca-Cola just got rid of the title CMO and fire, or their CMO retired. And they're not hiring a new CMO anymore. They actually have a chief growth officer. Um, and so there, there's a lot of change in the market and how they're prioritizing this aspect of it. Yeah, I think that that, that in itself is really interesting, um, you know, because you, you just see all of these large agencies, you know, they just can't turn the ship fast enough because it's kind of like, I don't mean to, you know, curse them, but it's kind of like the Titanic in that, you just can't turn fast enough. They're trying to turn, but they can't move this large machine that's built on an old manufacturing metaphor. You know. Yep. Um, totally. So, so it's really interesting. So, you're 30 years old now. Are you going to retire soon? <laughs> just kidding. I don't know if I'm going to retire. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to be back in a moment with Eric Huberman, who's the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. And I'm fascinated by Hawk Media's model, which is a full-service outsourced CMO. They're based in Santa Monica, and they've grown quite a lot over the years, from seven to over 100 employees. And Eric's going to continue to fill us in on some business trends happening in the media and, and uh, marketing um, space. Um, and also I'd love to talk to you just about trends that you're seeing across the board because you're really sitting at the, the center of, um, a storm in, in many ways, right? Yep. Um, and it's, um, it, I think also it's a storm that has to be ridden out carefully because if you make the wrong turn, your investment goes in the wrong place, right? Yeah. And at the same time, it's not as volatile as people think it is. There's, you know, if you try to keep up on blogs and news, it seems like things change every day. 
but it's like any other piece of media. It's like it's all about hype. And at the end of the day, the thing that we do today that work. Great. All right. Well, we're going to be back with Eric Hoverman in a moment um, on the Tech Cat Show. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you from the boardroom to you voice america business network this is the tech cat show with Lori h schwartz if you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question send an email to Lori at techcat.tv that's Lori at techcat.tv Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Eric Hoverman, who's founder and CEO of Hawk Media, which is a really unique agency um, that acts like an outsourced CMO, an a la carte services organization, which is so important in today's marketplace. So, Eric, you have all these, um, you you said Fortune 100 clients. Um, I would love to hear from you what you're seeing in the broader sense around business trends, you know, the problems that maybe they're coming to you to solve. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, how to navigate this growth world. It's a combination of, you know, the trying to figure out where, you know, what to pay attention to. I think is on the bigger company side, the most important piece is figuring out, you know, is Snapchat something we should be advertising on? Should we be paying attention to AR, VR? You know, what actually is important and what's just more noise has been really with the larger companies is what we're focused on. So, so um, they're looking to you to sort of give them the, you know, that defining answer if something crazy comes up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's less about something crazy coming up, and it's more about like the, you know, every day there's a new headline about like Snapchat's the new, you know, where all the millennials are looking or all the Gen Z are all on Snapchat. So if you want to market to Gen Z, you go to Snapchat. And so it, you can read headlines and get really distracted. And but and also being internal to a company, big or small, it, you can't test everything. You can't pay attention to everything. You don't have the time to bear with all. Whereas in an agency, 
we can go test with one company that wants to do run a test with, let's say, Snapchat, see how it performs, and then we can inform our entire community about whether it's working, whether it's not, if it's something worth doubling down on. So we become this strategic kind of navigator and partner to our clients. So, and and are most of your clients just the brands, or are the agencies of brands also interacting with you? Sometimes we get agencies of brands, but that's a little bit of a different engagement. It's less about navigating and more about uh, augmentation of their team. So big AORs will sometimes come in and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do your Facebook ads, we can do your email marketing, we can build your website. And the fact of the matter is they don't actually have those capabilities internally. So they'll sometimes bring us in to be that partner to execute on some of those things. Oh, got it, got it. And when you say AOR, it's agency of record. So these big, big old holding companies. Um, And and what other other trends are you seeing? Uh, Are they asking you about live video now? Um, You know, Instagram, Twitter, like what are the other sort of things that they're coming to you with? Definitely live video is coming up. Um, again, it's one of those things like it's exactly like you just said it, like live video, how interesting is that? It's like, well, you have to talk about like context, like just doing live video for the sake of jumping on live video doesn't make any sense. But if it's a brand that something live actually is compelling to the brand, that's different. Um, you know, with a fashion brand, just shooting live video of like behind the scenes all the time is not as compelling as, you know, maybe live streaming a fashion show. Um, you know, there was a, a brand called uh, Misha Nonu that did this whole Instagram uh, fashion show layout that was really innovative. Um, and it was a really interesting way of marketing because they kind of made this experiential side to Instagram. So there's things like that where it's on the individual basis it makes sense. But getting distracted by like, ooh, new platform, what do we do with it? It's a great way to like not focus on the scalable incremental marketing pieces that you need to actually have a sustainable business. So they get they get distracted by by the noise basically, yeah. yeah that 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 totally makes sense. Now I know a lot of your clients at least initially were coming to you, you know, e-commerce clients. So, and why was that? Was that just a natural smaller business yeah. unit inside of the brand? No, it's not just that. It's first off, that's my background. So originally, it was a lot of where people saw my credibility, and I'd say as we progress, the way we pitch ourselves again comes from my background, and it's also it. It resonates the most with companies that are very focused on ROI, and e-commerce has the ability to track that and see that, so they get more interested with that piece. And and what what is some of the trends in e-commerce that you're seeing? Because um, I see this really content-driven e-commerce trend happening, where content is really engaging consumers to to the to the basket, basically. But I'd love to hear your your opinion on it because I think e-commerce is so sexy right now. Yeah, and it's you know it. The trends with e-commerce, I mean, it's really, the, and it's been coming for a while, but it's mobile first now. It's not even mobile, so it needs to be a priority or an aspect. Like, mobile is more important than anything. Most purchasers are hopping on mobile now. People are surfing on mobile. So making sure that you have that mobile aspect uh, is incredibly important. And then, you know, commerce, I think it's going to start progressing that it's going to, you know, we call it like Web 3.0, where it's about content in commerce. Like to keep above the noise, like the, I guess part of the problem for brands now is it's really easy to start one. I could I could start a fashion company on my flight home from New York today easily. <laughs> I could have a new fashion company up and running by the time I landed with the tools that are out there. So I can you know use a company like Printful to do all the design work. I can go upload some images, build some T-shirts, throw up a domain name, and by my six-hour flight ending, I will have a Shopify site up and running. 
So there's no barrier anymore. So then the barrier becomes the attention. How do I grab attention? And so with that, it's not just about that initial attention that you get when you first launch or you first grab a customer, but it's ongoing attention. And the best way to keep people's attention is to create really good content. You know, Red Bull does an amazing job of this. The point that now the media house supposedly makes more money than the drink. So building a yeah, content yeah, they're they're your, such a great great example of that. Um, yeah. Is it does it does it have to be um, a brand that has uh, you know an emotional a real emotional impact? So you know Red Bull, it makes sense that you storytell around it. But tissues, you know, or toilet paper, or something that is not an emotional brand, can anybody get into this storytelling? You think? Let's take toilet paper. You, you, you use your example. Absolutely. I mean, look at Charmin, look at Downey. Like, these companies have built emotional appeals to their brands for sure with, you know, the different characters that they incorporate, the, you know, comfy feeling of the toilet paper. Like, they absolutely still have an emotional appeal. People are emotional creatures. Even if you're a software company, you're usually solving a pain point or a problem and appealing to that emotional reaction is still important. And, and, um, in terms of e-commerce, um, I know a lot of the growth of play that you recommend along the way is, is you know, that communication piece is newsletters. So are newsletters yeah. still, do they still work? Because you always hear um, nobody reads their emails anymore or I'm inundated with <laughs> newsletters or all of that. So yeah. what's, the, what's the truth about all of that? Yeah, that's where my advice to stay away from the media side of this stuff is big because like everything you just said, are, it's so buzzy. And people love to make grandiose statements like that. Like nobody's on Facebook, nobody reads email. And when you get down into the data, like open rates and email are still the same that they were four years ago. So just as many people are opening their emails as four years ago. And that's across the board. Everybody that's out of college, everybody that goes to college has an email address. So unless your customer is, you know, a high school kid, which also tend to have email addresses because you need them for your, most of the social platforms you sign up for, it's, you're not. You're still hitting people in email. It still works. And in terms of revenue, like we see, the majority of revenue with e-commerce get driven through email. So no kidding. So what? What do you have a yeah. stat on that? Because that's fascinating. What's the other stat? No. What's the stat on that? Is it like seventy-five percent go to basket from the newsletter? Page in the company, but it's it's one of the larger contributors because we also see an increase in ROI from ad spends when you automate email nurturing. Meaning, if you're going to go do a bunch of advertising and you're not going to collect emails and nurture those people along the way, you're going to see a huge decline in the ROI from that advertising versus actually having a nurturing funnel. So, and, the, and, that and I think that, yeah, that, that nurturing piece is something that I just learned about because in full disclosure, you know, you guys are working with me right now on that very idea. And I, I didn't even think about this idea of nurturing your email list. You know, I just thought buy a yep. list and you're done. But there's a yep. real science and strategy to this, right, to this nurturing. Yeah, and it it's really comes down to, you know, n- nurturing and timing, meaning sometimes it just takes someone a few different points to ever want to work with you, and you've got to bring people along that way. I mean, maybe they see an ad for a pair of shoes, and the image caught their attention, but they know nothing. They don't know that they're well-built. They don't know that other, you know, celebrities have liked them. They don't know all these other aspects to those shoes. But now you have the opportunity to send them a few emails that educate them along the way. So without doing that, you never get that education. You're only going to convert those people that like the picture, not all the people that actually get the education component. So that, that it's the same thing with, you know, any business, like nurturing them along, giving a chance to discuss different value propositions. I know you always have an about us or how it works on your page. Most people don't read that. Most people, you need to go to them. 
And so that piece of it, and then as I mentioned, the other piece is timing, like a company like yours or ours, you know, with Hawk Media, people, when we first reach them, they don't need marketing all the time. So now let's stay in front of them, let's just, you know, feed them good content, keep them top of mind, keep, or keep us top of mind, excuse me, and also, you know, continue to educate them on why we're good at what we do. And at some point, could be years from then, they may hire us. And that's happened a lot. We've had companies that hear about us and two years later hire us. No kidding. So, so the um, acquisition for some clients is a, is a bit bit on the long tail. Yeah, and of course, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. They could be working with an agency they like, and something changes. They could just have their own thing going on. Whatever it is, you know, you can't really predict what people's timing is going to be. And so, just staying in front of them, keeping them aware of you, staying in touch is very important. And the best way to do that right now is email at scale. No kidding. I mean, uh, honestly, you hear people chatter about it all the time. And I certainly spend way too much time in email. And there's all these discussions about, you know, go off to Slack or go do text messaging or, you know, get off of email, do anything you can to get your business off of email. So it's it's nice to hear that, um, you know, it works. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Slack doesn't replace Slack's a great internal communication tool. It's not necessarily a good client communication tool. Um, now people are using Instagram or sorry, um, Facebook bots, which is interesting, but it's not replacing it yet. But it's, it's right. actually an interesting aspect. But and don't get me wrong, things could shift. But as we are currently, nothing has come, nothing's declined in email. Uh, that's just insane. And are you getting asked to play with Facebook bots and Twitter bots and just, you know, AI engines in general? Oh, yeah. We, we build a lot of bots these days for our customers. We actually are working on one for ourselves just for fun. So, yeah, bots have become a big aspect of what we do because there's something there. And I guess that's the balance is you, we can't completely ignore uh, shifts in the market either. Like, bots actually could be an interesting thing. Uh, OTTs are also an interesting thing, you know, over-the-top networks where people are distributing their own content through their own networks for, like, you know, a Netflix kind of thing. Those are interesting buzzwords versus things like VR, which I don't think is going anywhere. Interesting. I mean, we talk about VR so much on this show, and not even because I want to, but it just seems like, you know, to your point, it's the hype. And, you know, recently I've gotten very involved in an organization called VR Society, where they're really looking at the business case for VR. And it seems like AR is bubbling up much faster and has already a big role in enterprise. But it's just so funny. It comes up in every show because it is yep. a buzz word right now. Um, we're we're yeah. going to be back. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was just going to say that's the, that, the, a big point is AR is interesting. VR to me is the next 3D TVs. It's like nobody's buying them. Nobody actually cares except for the you know media and early adopters. It's not right. gaining mass market at all. Yeah, mixed reality is kind of interesting too, but that's a whole nother conversation, maybe over drinks. But <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about other trends, just even outside of your own business that you think are fueling the marketplace, you know, and um, also what's been the biggest surprise for you because you are, again, sitting at this growing company with all these uh, wonderful brands contacting you. So we'll be back in a moment with Eric Huberman, who is too successful and too young for me, um, but he, he's good to hear from. We'll be back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hello, and we are back talking to the fabulous Eric Uberman. I've been saying his name wrong, but that is not, by the way, uncommon on this show, is that I mutilate and botch everyone's names. But now now you've been officially initiated into the Tech Cat Show. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, so Eric's in New York right now. He speaks a lot at conferences, and he's stirring up the pot with some new clients. So I'm curious, you know, are there any bigger trends happening in marketing and tech and entertainment that are really fueling your business? Yeah, I would say AI is probably the biggest trend we're watching because, it, you know, and it gets, it's another buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, but it is going to the point of true artificial intelligence, whether it's in the next decade or two. Uh, and when that happens, it's going to have a lot of, it's going to mean a lot for our industry because there's going to be a lot of what we do as people that we're not going to need people to be doing. So, how that will affect and change the way we work is a big focus, um, doing a lot of learning and a lot of investing in that aspect of our business so that when it does have that shift, we're not like trying to catch up. We're already ahead of it. And is that also the advice that you're giving your clients um, because it's, it's impacting your own business and then you're also building AI engines for your clients. So do they ever come to you and say, can you tell us what are the five things we should be worried about? So I'd say every once in a while, yeah. I mean, we have like kind of discussions around that, but the way clients are hiring us is really for, to focus on the growth of their company and not not always about the like, you know, innovation of their operation. So it does happen. We do get into deep discussions about it, but it's not like something they cut. That's not really what people come to us for. We're not like an right. AI provider. Right. And so the growth point is a really interesting one. And that's basically like someone like me, I'm growing my business. So I've engaged you to help me grow my list and grow my um, my name out there. Um, and, and that's pretty much does that mean that your most of your clients are the chief revenue officers at companies as opposed yeah, to the CMOs or the everyone cares about growth. It's rarely the COO or CFO, but it's more commonly the CMO, the CRO, the CEO, um, you know, the people that are focused on the growth. When, but it's, and it's one of those things in business, if you're not growing, you're dying. So we're a pretty important aspect to a lot of people that are, you know, at the top, so to speak. But, you know, with bigger companies, a lot of times we're even talking to the marketing manager or VP of marketing. Now, you are um, in October, I think it's October, launching your first event called HawkFest, yep. and I love that, that name. Um, you know, why are you doing it? Are, are events important? You know, what, what's happening? I mean, I make most of my living at events, and, uh, yep. you know, I've brought you in many times to speak, so I understand 
the value of education, but why are you doing it as a hot growing company? Great question. So uh, it's a combination of things. It really comes out of a necessity because what I saw is there, I haven't really found a good event for very talented, successful e-commerce executives. So there's tons of e-commerce events. There's shop.org, there's shop talk, there's IRCE, there's, you know, a kind of a, a litany of them, but they all focus on mass market trade show conference style events. And then you have really cool events like Worlds that's next week and uh, Summit Series and right, right, like right. More curated events around executives and interesting people. And the way they host these events, there's, it's not the same type of keynote panel. There's a little bit of that in both of them, but it's a lot of experiential. It's a lot of activities. It's a lot of workshops. And so I, that aspect is way more interesting to me. When I go to these things, I don't really even go to the panels unless it's someone very specific I want to see talk. It's more to me about meeting the people there, spending time with them, and then getting involved in the activities and workshops where I can learn very tactically. And so I wanted to create an event where we get rid of that on-the-stage thing and we bring together a group of peers that are all very successful e-commerce executives that are all going through challenges at a different level that they can probably learn from each other. My example I always like to give is like Brian Lee, who started Honest Company, isn't going to go speak on stage and teach Mike Dubin from Dollar Shave Club very much. But if they sit down at a table together, they're probably going through very different problems that's the same size business that they can help coach each other and talk each other through. And they're non-competitive. So why not? And so that concept is where this came up. And so what we are doing is bringing together 200 of the top e-commerce executives around the world uh, for a full day of, again, workshops, activities, case studies, discussions, and, you know, actually trying to have incorporate some fun aspects to it, too, just to let people let loose a little bit. The idea yep. is to bring that community together. And then from our own benefit, the, you know, the actual self-serving side is our name's on it. We're in the room, too, and we become kind of the center point of bringing this community together. And that's valuable. Right. You become the curator. And so you're, you own the eyeballs to a certain extent. And I did run into you at World Z last year, um, and I, th- yep. I thought it was um, a really fun show. Um you know, I thought I thought some of it was a little pretentious, but a lot of it was really interesting. Like they they did some sort of event. I don't remember what they were doing, but there were people jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> I don't remember that yeah. why. What, <laughs> yeah, the that was the, guys jumped out of that plane. Yeah, that was like the evening entertainment. But I, I thought the keynoters were great, and um, and it was just you know when you walk in, they do all these fun experiential things. Um, and, and then in the end of the day, you're, you're like running around trying to get into sessions, which is pretty much what it's like these days at, at the more interesting conferences is they program it such that you want to go to everything, yeah. um, which adds to the energy and, and excitement of it all. Um, so, so that's really exciting. So um, after Hawkfest is done, is it good? You think it's going to be a yearly thing for you guys? Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, and we've got some great partners that we're bringing into it, too. Uh, so the thing can be sustainable, so to speak. We're not looking for this to be a profit center for us. Any money made is either getting reinvested or donated to charity. We're actually bringing in charity partners as well. So the idea is, like, let's make this sustainable. Let's make this a good thing, and let's have it every year, assuming we pull the first year off in a great way. Let's make it better and better. Is, is that charity piece, um, you know, just part of, of the culture? Um, you know, it's certainly part of the millennial culture. And is it just something that you're doing because it feels organic? Or are you doing it because it's a good, you know, business purpose? And I don't mean to, you know, back you oh. into a corner that you're not a good person. But culturally, yep. 
you know, charity, um, social good is very important to, you know, the age of your company, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, sure, I mean, but it's also, it's, there's a reason for that. I think it's, it's seen as it's because millennials like charity, at the, but I'm a millennial, I like charity. My view of it, and I think this is actually more consistent with the view you're going to get from millennials, is you, you, it's to support the community around you. Like, if you, know, the per, if you live in a place where everyone around you isn't able to feed their kids or people are starving or not making enough money, then crime starts to rise. Then you live in that area where if you don't help the people around you, and that goes for the whole world. You know, there's, there's wars around the world because of people that have been undereducated, underserved, and are angry. And so if, in different ways, if you, can, you, you, you almost are obligated to help, you know, to give back and to help, not just because it's a good thing to do, but also because, frankly, it is self-serving. If you can help your community, help your world out, it makes the world a better place, and you still live in that world. So that, that's the concept there is, like, we continue to try to help different aspects. Education is actually the big initiative for us. We support a lot of education charities because my view, and I think that my team agrees with this, is if you can help people learn more, become more educated, they can go solve the world's problems. And you can basically, it's the whole teach them and how to fish versus, give, you know, give them a fish. Like if we can teach a bunch of people how to fish, there's a lot more that can change than just giving them something. So, right. That, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's great. The and that, that's been sort of the problem with the current election cycle, right, is, is, uh, a lack of education <laughs> and love. Yeah, <laughs> a whole other topic, but yes, exactly. Actually, that, that was a re- very much a reinforcement for what we're doing. Right, and um, is your team un- under 30 as well, or do you have varying ages of folks? You know, are you dealing with some of the, the very behavior issues that are plaguing a lot of agencies who are not culturally able to manage millennials and... Uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, Gen Zers or the pluralists, yep. as as a lot of research companies like to call them. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, h- how, um, how are you managing those folks, and is it challenging? Uh, I think it's always challenging. I think that uh, people love to talk about kids these days, and it's been that way for year, you know, decades. It's or sorry, even probably centuries. Uh, I, I wasn't around back then, so I'm not sure. But <laughs> bottom line is, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that there's any. I think anytime I hear someone say millennial as a, a a descriptor, I think I immediately lose. They lose credibility with me because you're talking about just in the United States alone, 80 million people. If you think 80 million people share common traits that are indicative by their age, you're probably mistaken. The only things that are obviously true is they're they're you know native to the internet. People we grew up with the internet. I still remember the first time I signed on the internet. I actually AOL was the first access I had to it. Um, actually, I take that back. It was ohi.net where I grew up, but then AOL. Um, but yeah, the the point being like there's certain like experiences that happen, but in terms of behaviorally, they're not. I mean, maybe there's statistics about less loyal, et cetera, but I don't think that that's in, you know there's individual. You have to individualize it too. Like we have. You know, a perfect example with us, you asked our age group, and yes, our median age is probably 27 years old, but we do have people that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s as well. Um, and the integration has been fine because we have a certain culture that we look for regardless of age. And then the quote-unquote millennials that work for us, everyone talks about their turnover and they leave. And it's like, we have people that have been with us since the beginning that are joined us at 24, 25 years old and are now 27, 28 years old. And they have no intention of leaving because we've created an environment where they feel they can thrive, you know, and it's, it's not tricky to work with them. It's just 
you, you have to give people what they want and create an environment that they want to work in. And the, the illogical old school mentality of corporate, I, I went to a meeting today where I wore, I wear a t-shirt every day. I just, that's what I, I live in Santa Monica. I walked into a big corporation in a t-shirt and I watched the guy give me the up and down walking in a t-shirt. And it's like that alone, like those illogical, like you should be wearing a suit here are the things that turn off millennials because it just doesn't make sense. Like why? Right. It's not, it's not, it's not the truth anymore. Right. You know, exactly. And there was a time when that shit was a sign of respect, but that went away when most, you know, executives, even Steve jobs, who's, you know, a baby boom was a baby boomer stopped wearing, you know, button downs. Like it's like at some point, you know, it's more about staying with culture and cultural change than, Oh, it's these damn kids. Right, right, right. I always think um, I, I have seen young young guys show up in bow ties, which I have a particular affection for, mostly because I have a Doctor Who, Doctor Who problem. But um, uh, I, I totally get what you're saying, and, I, and I've noticed a lot of that too. And I think managing people in general, anyway, regardless of their age, is challenging. It's just you know humans are are interesting and challenging to manage now we're going to need to take another break and when we come back i want to hear a little bit more from you again on this a little bit on this event piece but where do you go like where do you make sure you put yourself and where are you speaking again and then just from a you know external social media strategy where are you making sure that hawk media um has a presence so we're going to be back um in a moment with eric um founder and ceo of hawk media which is a full service outsourced cmo and he's based in um, Santa Monica. He's very young and he's very successful. And I find that, as I mentioned before, extremely irritating. But yet at the same time, he's wonderful to speak to speak with. <laughs> Don't be. Aren't people irritated with how young you are occasionally? Uh, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show with the very young and very talented Eric Huberman. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. And so we are back with Eric Huberman, founder and CEO of Hawk Media. And Eric, of course, is a serial entrepreneur and a brand marketing expert. And so I'm wondering, Eric, where are you making sure Hawk Media is? Like, or what social media channels are you on? You know, as a, as a, uh, a, you know, a CEO that's giving strategy to other businesses, where do you put yourself? Well, that's what's, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword with what we do is we kind of have to be everywhere because the, the cool thing is we're growing very fast, and so when we say we're an expert in growth and we're here to help grow your company, we kind of have to be able to point at our own, you know, and that's always the baffling thing to me about marketing agencies is most of them never seem to be good at marketing themselves, and, like, you kind of feel like you need to be. Like, if you're not good at marketing yourself, how are you going to do it for other people? So with us, like, we're on every platform. We're active on every platform because, frankly, we're judged by that. You know, when we put out content for ourselves, when we put out, advertising for ourselves or you know we need to be good at it because that's we're, we're always judged by our own marketing and so if we're waxed about something people are going to assume we're waxed for them too right so you have to walk the walk because Correct. you know you are you are selling those those services so there, there must be a little pressure there yeah i mean it's 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 i guess it's only pressure if you feel like resisting it like i, I don't <laughs> I, I do this because i love it so it's like uh, even on my own social media, I'm more active than most of my friends. And it's not, it is because it, you know, on, from a business standpoint of benefits, but it's not like I feel like I wish I could resist it. Oh, I wish I didn't have to post on Facebook today. There's not really an aspect of that. It's more like I enjoy it anyways. Where, where, are, you spe- where are you posting for yourself? Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, those are the... Yeah sort of for um, tent poles, I think, for, for business users. Now, what about conferences and trade shows? So we know you're going to World Z. You just spoke at something. Like, where do you make sure you go, even if you're not speaking, but you know it's a good place to go? Yeah, so the, the stuff I go to, that so speaking-wise, I'm pretty open. Like, I, you know, I honestly, like, I like building out that skill set, and I like speaking to an audience, and usually it benefits us as a business. So that part is a little less focused. In terms of attending, uh, it's, I really now focus on the stuff that's harder to go to for uh, kind of the public, like things like YPO events or Summit Series or Worlds, you know, the invite-only kind of events. Right, and right. That's the Forbes Under 30 event, the Inc. 5000 event. Like, we're, we're, um, you know, there's all these really, you know, focused events that those are where, like, we get into kind of a different, I, I want to say echelon, but different category of people that are CEOs and honestly good people to do business with and when you go to those there's also a very much a guard is dropped because they know you're only you're there for a reason versus you just bought a ticket so those are really good events for me to spend my time the bigger conferences and trade shows and things we have a team that does that now so we have you know a great partnerships person that you know is going to uh what's it called uh outdoor retailer right now in utah and things like that that i used to go to but there just came a point where it's not as necessary for me to do and we're at a point now where I have to be kind of selective with my use of time. So you have a strategy for which events uh, you choose as, as a business growth tool and also um, for your own learning. Um, and then you're, you guys yep. are obviously on, on the platforms that, that you discussed. Now, where are you speaking next? 
Uh, I'm hopefully crossing my fingers. I'll know this week speaking at South by Southwest Germany, their inaugural launch in Germany, and that's in September. Uh, wow. I'm speaking at Digital Summit in Washington, D.C., September 6th. I'm speaking at, uh, I forgot, SDX. I'm sorry to say, I forget what it stands for, but a tech conference in San Diego on August 24th. Um, I know I'm forgetting. And these are, the, and and these are all yeah. like, so, so um, to, to sort of give some context to this, what, what is it that are they asking you to speak about? How your company works, certain kinds of trends, like what's your kind of spin these days? Yeah, no, it's, it's a combination of just our expertise in marketing and e-commerce. So a lot of times it's just focused on that. Last night I spoke on uh, just holiday marketing, how to prepare brands and e-commerce companies for the holidays and what to do and what, you know, different ideas we have. And it seemed like that was a good talk because there were a lot of things that our, the audience wasn't thinking of that I brought up. So that was good. But then, as I mentioned, we're doing a lot of research in AI. So I'm getting asked to speak a lot about what I'm finding. Uh, so I spoke last week at uh, UC Irvine. Uh, with one of the heads of Watson, the IBM's Watson platform, about basically the practical uses of AI and where that's going. Um, so there's a lot. It's really a variety, but basically I only speak about stuff I can, I know really well because I don't prepare for speeches uh, and because I feel like if I actually need to sit down and prepare for one of these talks, I shouldn't be talking about it. If I'm not an expert, I don't belong on the stage, and I'm pretty firm about that. So it's usually something in my direct wheelhouse of startups, marketing, e-commerce. So, yeah, I think e-com right now, everybody is really trying to wrap their head around the storytelling that you were saying before. And also, you know, did you go to Shop Talk this year? I did not, actually. Um, So so that was impressive. Uh, Basically, it tripled in size, I think, since last year. But what was most Mm -hmm. interesting about it was the number of big brands that were there. And Shop Talk is obviously a a conference about retail, um, but, you know, specifically, there's a huge presence um, from all the major retailers, and that's pretty much everyone. I mean, everyone is selling something, and then you had every single part of the ecosystem there. So I thought it was wonderful and also a mind blow, you know, uh, of who was yeah. there. Like, everyone was there because all pieces of the puzzle right now are part of this e-com story. Yep, and, and I've, I've heard great things about that event, and we had, we had some of our team there. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely growing. Everyone's aware of it. It's been a trend for, I mean, I credit a lot of our success to timing. I'd say the past three and a half years that we've been building this thing have been also the past three and a half years, brands have started to accept we have to be online. We have to have an e-commerce component. So, you know, I literally had a talk with a friend last night about this that's very brick and mortar driven. And he's like, I need to hire you or partner with you very quickly because, you know, this isn't going to last forever. People are just buying more and more online and companies are going to go where the people are like you have to so i think that that it's just that's what people expect now people don't mind buying online they're not worried about returns so unless you really have to see or feel the product buying it online isn't really an issue for people anymore yeah it's true um, and i do this thing when i need some retail therapy but i've already you know passed my budget um i tend to go on to sites that i like and fill up the basket just as it's sort of like some sort of psychological satisfaction, um, and then yeah. I don't actually purchase anything, maybe in, until even another month so, or two later. <laughs> so, and here's what's really funny is we, one of the first things we do when we work with e-commerce companies is implement what's called a send-in-cart email, because that is not an abnormal habit. 
But what we've seen is when you do that, you still do want to buy those things. So if we stay on top of you and follow up with you, you generally end up coming back and buying it at some point. I do think it's creepy when they send a note the next day saying, <clears throat> newsletter or email saying, hey, you didn't finish checking out or, you know, can we help you? And I'm like, why are you, you know, why are you stalking me? That's what I feel so. So um, anyway, that's what yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I would and I would probably encourage the same thing from any clients, you know. Um, So so before we wrap up, um, just tell us where we can find more information on Hawk Media. What's the uh, the the URL and the Twitter handles of everything? Uh, Just hawkmedia.com. So it's H A W K E Media M E D I A dot com. And uh, on Instagram, same thing. Same thing on Facebook. On Twitter, it's actually GoHawk, G-O-H-A-W-K-E. Someone had Hawk Media, still working on it. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to find. <laughs> Do they want like a gazillion use. dollars for it or something? We haven't even reached out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's completely unused. Oh, that's so funny. I I had the same thing happen to me. Um, and um, and you personally, where are you tweeting under? Uh, just at Eric Huberman. It's E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N on every platform. All right. Well, Eric Uberman, it is so great to get to talk to you and interview you more formally, even though we've known each other for years. Um, and I love what you're doing with Hawk Media, and I've watched it grow, and it's just so exciting. So check out hawkmedia.com. Such an interesting model and a great place to go, you know, if you're a smaller business or even a larger one and want to sort of um, move forward in the media marketing space with a more modern and agile model. So um, great talking to you, and we'll look forward you to too. hearing from you on all the different social media challenges. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Okay, we'll be back next week with another fantastic Eric or somebody, and I'm sure I'll botch their name as well. Um, This is Lori Schwartz from the Tech Cat Show, and we will be speaking to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 